0: Uh, I'm going to say, no one's better than me. Buckle up, strap in, and get ready to get weird. It's Friday here on Locked On Dolphins, and I am your host, Kyle Krabs. We've got plenty to discuss today. As promised, we are going to hit defensive day three prospects for the Dolphins to earmark to put some of these eight day three selections that they are going to have at their disposal in rounds four, five, six, and seven of the NFL draft. But first, we have some housekeeping items to attend to. First and foremost, the Dolphins made a handful of roster transaction moves yesterday, placing uh, exclusive rights tenders on three players. Wide receiver Isaiah Ford. Linebacker Trent Harrison. Defensive lineman Zach Siler. Uh, Isaiah Ford has kind of pinballed around from the Miami Dolphins uh, practice squad to the active roster. Back to the practice squad to getting cut again throughout the course of his time with Miami. Since coming out of Virginia Tech. Trent Harris was a New England Patriot in 2018 and claimed off waivers on September 1st, uh, playing intermittently throughout the season. And Zach Siler was a late waiver wire addition from the Baltimore Ravens and interior defensive lineman who came out of small school Ferris State and has a ton of athletic potential at his side. The question with him was uh, getting him up to speed from level of con- competition, him leaving I believe Fair State is division 3 and going to the NFL of course is a big jump and and he did get a chance to play late in the season and had some flashes and he's a big toolsy kid so they all make sense from the dolphins from a perspective of their young talents their talents that either meet the athletic traits threshold that Miami's looking for they have the football intelligence Isaiah Ford, really good football IQ tracking the ball in the air ball skills his issue is just a matter of uh, doesn't really have a lot of bursts and acceleration to create separation when he's running routes against man coverage, uh, potential big slot guy, smooth, uh, got some good run down the stretch, uh, for the dolphins in December, Zach Seiler, obviously the, the, the toolsy guy and, and Trent Harris being a player from new England, who, you know, probably is, is starting to get a good grasp of a Brian Flores defense. He's played in it for, or he's been around it for two seasons now, maybe not necessarily playing in all those games, but, Arrow pointing up on all three of these young kids. This was uh, reported yesterday, so Thursday afternoon, the news broke that these exclusive rights tenders had been placed on these players, so they haven't signed them yet. That's an important note to make. The exclusive rights tenders means you, as a player who has, I believe, three or less years of tenure in the NFL, if your contract expires, teams have the right to use exclusivity and make sure that they get to negotiate with you one-on-one. You have to log a certain amount of time in the NFL before you're eligible for unrestricted free agency. These guys have not reached that threshold yet, and as such, Miami, because of what their wages were and their lack of experience in the league, can say, we want to exclusively negotiate and make sure we get you on a contract and bring you back for another year. So that is the situation with each of these players now, where the Dolphins ahead of the start of free agency, which is scheduled for next week on the 18th, and the tampering period starting on the 16th. It, it sounds like the league is going to hold firm to that. Uh, I know the sports world as a whole is in flux right now. Everybody's kind of hit pause. Uh, but the NFL seems to to be willing and, and want to move forward with their off-season plans. And that it, it's funny, it kind of gives you... a a perspective on the NFL versus the rest of professional sports in America where you have uh, basketball's been postponed, major league baseball's been pushed back for the start of their league, NHL's been frozen, uh, major league soccer is postponed. They're all playing in their seasons and football, the NFL is in the off season, and there's a deliberation of whether or not they should be Pausing or moving forward, and of course with the logistics and and trying to be sensitive to the health crisis and, and scare in America right now, uh, it, it is something that deserves consideration. But if you're agreeing to contracts, you know you can make these verbal agreements, and then as the logistics of you know when is it safe to travel and when is when when is the health crisis kind of stabilized across the country, then you can get guys go and take their physical and sign their contracts. But at the very least, these negotiations can still take place and. Uh, That's kind of what it seems to be, and the Dolphins are sneaking some of these transactions in before the league calendar opens next Wednesday. But before we move any further today on this Friday episode of Locked on Dolphins, we do need to address some new names linked to Miami, courtesy of the Miami Herald. Barry Jackson, who wrote about Miami's uh, tendering of the three restricted free agents as well as Miami's movements at the Justin Herbert Pro Day yesterday and Rich McKenzie going to the Clemson Pro Day yesterday uh, mentioned a number of names that are of interest to the Dolphins in free agency as well that I think are at least worth discussing. Uh, Reports here, Dolphins are expected to sign multiple offensive linemen in free agency besides their expected interest in Patriots center Ted Karras and Lions guard Graham Glasgow. The other names on their radar include swing tackle Brandon Shell, who played for the Jets. Yeah, this one makes sense because Brandon Shell was a starting offensive tackle for Chan Gailey. Uh, the spoiler alert here is Brandon Shell is not very good. So, if you're going to sign Brandon Shell, may it please be to serve in the role of a swing tackle of a backup that is playing in a pinch. Not to start. So if Miami signs Brandon Shell, please do not regard him as a potential starter on your offensive line. Graham Glasgow, yes. From Detroit, that is a reasonable starting into your offensive lineman guard or center. Ted Garris, yes. He stepped in for David Andrews for New England this past year, who had blood clots in his lungs. He should be expected as a starter. Joe Thuney, yeah. If you sign him for 16 million a year, he's gonna start for you. Brandon Shell, not so much. Uh, the connections here extend beyond just Changaley as well. Miami's offensive line coach is Steve Marshall, who coached Shell for two years with the Jets. Uh, report here from continuing this report from Barry. Dolphins have told people they believe they could find one long-term starting tackle in the draft, uh, which may mean Miami's other offensive tackle is going to be from free agency. It will not be Brandon Shell, or it should not be. Brandon Shell. I think that that's the distinction to make. That will not stop potentially a team from signing him and not further addressing the position, but I've spoken on this podcast and written at dolphinswire.com pretty extensively the difference in investing versus addressing. Uh, as you're building a team and the Dolphins investing in their offensive linemen, they need more than just one offensive tackle. Some quarterback names here as well. Uh, Of course, Miami has been linked to Logan Ryan of the Tennessee Titans. Mackenzie Alexander, who is another nickel corner uh, from Minnesota, former second round selection, is another name that uh, has been attached to Miami through this report, courtesy of Barry Jackson. Uh, Brian Poole as well, cornerback, former Florida Gator of the New York Jets, uh, is another name that's been included here as well. So, New names on the radar for Miami and free agency. As of this report from Barry Jackson, Mackenzie Alexander, Brian Poole. Graham Glasgow is a fairly new name for me and Brandon Shell. So I would take, if you could get two of those four guys, you can give me Graham Glasgow and you can give me Mackenzie Alexander. And I'd mark those down as dubs for Miami. Now keep signing offensive tackles and go out and draft one, too. We'll be right back after this brief pause for sponsor identification and get transitioned over into talking about defensive prospects, speaking of corners, for day three in the 2020 NFL Draft. So we are going to bring home this Friday episode of Locked on Dolphins. Talking about the NFL Draft, I'm going to be using... Some of my player write-ups from the DraftNetwork.com talking about day three prospects for Miami on the defensive side of the football. If you missed yesterday's show, we did offensive prospects as well as bid farewell to Rashad Jones. Uh, if we start on the defensive interior, I think Miami is really going to benefit from a true nose tackle. Uh, neither Devon Godchal or Kristen Wilkins, I think, shines as a true space eater. If I had my way, I'd find a way to get Devon Hamilton from Ohio State, uh, who's probably going to be a top 75 selection. So not a day three pick, but somebody who who warrants your attention. Um, some of my notes on him, his best trade is his, his ability to two gap, which is when you are stacking up offensive linemen and you get your hands fit and you extend your arms, and then that way you're going to be able to read the play and read the block and diagnose and be able to to take two gaps at any given time depending on where the ball carrier cuts. Uh, His worst trade is he's kind of a one-year wonder. Devon Hamilton projects as a starting nose tackle at the NFL level. Despite one year of starting experience at Ohio State, Hamilton has excellent polish as a two-gap defender and flashes really surprising skills as a penetration and pressure player as well. An ideal fit as a penetration knows there's a one technique in an even front offense where he can collapse the pocket or stuff up the middle and allow his three technique one-on-one looks for a lot of free flow for his linebackers. Should be an NFL starter sooner rather than later. So you think about a guy who's going to occupy double teams on the inside and what that's going to allow for Raekwon McMillan as a gap shooter coming downhill or Jerome Baker is the guy who's going to scrape and flow sideline to sideline behind that. That really holds a lot of value. And uh, Miami, getting a body in that capacity on the defensive interior, I think is a priority for this team, whether it's a guy like Michael Pearson, free agency, or there's a lot of really good nose tackles that are available. Pittsburgh has Javon Hargrave as well. But if they wanted to go the cheap route and find a guy late on day three of the NFL draft, one name to put a star next to, Utah defender Leckie Fotu, who's 6'5", 337", Boy, you want to talk about nose tackles. That's exactly what this dude is. Uh, He is very, very powerful. He's very explosive in straight line situations. He does not have a very large influence in sideline to sideline or scraping between the tackles. But he's really effective playing into a gap and eating double teams. And uh, uh, the Utah defense, Utah football really asks a lot of their defensive prospects. I expect Miami will have significant interest in, in a number of their players because they're asked to be pretty versatile. They're asked to be uh, pretty multiple with what they do, and they play that same blue-collar, tough, smart brain of football. Uh, my notes on FOTU... Projects best into a one technique role in an even front defense. While FOTU does have the functional power length and two gap ability to serve as a true nose, his height and stiffness cause some inconsistencies in serving as a space heater in the middle. FOTU's quickness and his size, quickness for his size and linear releases, a.k.a. straight ahead, makes him much more sense in an even front, and that would afford him the opportunity to fire out of a stance at attack. The mesh point is a looming presence in the middle. So this is why a guy like this is available on day three, because... From a leverage perspective, there are some inconsistencies. But if you break him of those habits, he's gonna be really good. And he's gonna be really effective. So as Miami gets back on the clock in the late fourth round, if a guy like Lecky Fotu is still there, makes a lot of sense. Next name now that I would star for Miami is a little bit later in the draft. Uh Bravian Roy from Baylor who one three twenty? This was a combine snub. But if you want to talk about nose tackles, 6'1", 320, yes. He is dense. He is capable of eating up blocks. He is capable of occupying space. And that is, at its core, what nose tackles are designed to do. And because of that, a lot of them don't have a lot of value. And because they don't have a lot of value, a lot of them are going to be available later in the draft. So, Leckie Foto is your early day three option. Brandon, or Bravian Roy from Baylor would be a later option for a true nose that I'd like to see Miami put into consideration. As you move to the edge, the edge class is interesting. Because if you include Zach Ball, and you got Chase Young, Caleb on Chase on Zach Ball, and We did this last week, At the end of last week, we made the Dolphins edge board. And we're due to do this again. We're going to start that up again this upcoming week. Uh, for different positions. But as you consider who makes sense for the Dolphins on day three specifically, I look at names like Nick Coe from Auburn, who's 6'5, 290. Really long arms. Uh, he's not super dynamic off the edge, but Auburn asked him to play with his hand in the dirt. They asked him to play stand up. They asked him to play inside. Again, the versatility. He's done a lot of things. My summary for Nick Coe, uh, as an NFL draft prospect, his best quality is his length. His pass rush hand counters is, is where he needs to improve. Nick Coe projects ideally as a base 3-4 defensive end at the NFL level. Coe has been exposed to a number of different roles, but his versatility will not extend to the same degree at the next level without significant overhaul. As is, Coe is a long-armed defender and, and at his best when he's able to lock horns and engage with blockers and head-on collisions. Asking him to serve as a two-gap defender is the best way to make the most of his strength and length, but he's going to need more polish to be a three-down player. So this is uh, a guy who ideally could be a B-gap pass rusher, but in the early downs, maybe you put him outside the offensive tackles, outside eye, and ask him to set the edge. You know, If you're going to run 4-3 under fronts, he's capable of filling that role as the play side end. Coe is probably going to be a top 150 selection, so Miami will probably get a crack at him. If they want him, they can definitely go up and get him. There's nothing stopping them from manipulating the board, which is what we talked about earlier this week on the show. Uh, but if you want a late-round guy, you want a kind of a diamond in the rough, This I am not the first person to make this attachment and I will not claim to be, but Olawale Batiku, Jr. from Illinois, is a former five-star high school prep recruit who went to Illinois and the Dolphins have hired his defensive line coach to serve a role on their defensive staff. So that connection makes a lot of sense. And anytime you've got a five-star, that is an advantage not just from a superficial level of like having a name value that's going to be more recognizable, but you were a five-star inevitably for a reason. And it's probably because you were just naturally a better athlete than everybody, and you developed quicker when you were in high school. And because of that athletic potential that he is earmarked to have, that is the kind of thing that a coaching staff will want to prioritize and say, hey, bring this guy in. And let's see if we can't untap that potential that he had and make more of him. And Batiku had a nice year in 2019 with the Illini. He, you know, under Lovey Smith, went on to, after transferring from USC, mind you, declared early this year. But this was the season where it seemed like the light bulb came on for him. He had nine sacks this past year. Two fumble recoveries. Uh, Had good production against Wisconsin, Michigan, California. Uh, Big-time sack totals here at the beginning of the season. He kind of abused the smaller portion of his schedule. Akron, UConn, Eastern Michigan, Nebraska. That's where six of his sacks came from this past year. But he got a sack against Cal in the bowl game, and he got a sack against Wisconsin. He had a good showing against Michigan. So uh, I think the light bulb kind of coming on here, again, kind of proof the fact that he's beating up on small schools indicates that he's got physical talent, but can you continue to develop and cultivate that and get some results out of it? That would be the objective for any coaching staff that takes him on, but because of the connection with his college coach at Illinois that got the light bulb to come on a little bit, I would expect him to be a a name that the Dolphins are tied to in the later rounds. At linebacker, this is such a tough position to peg because the Dolphins, you know, they could go with a space guy. They could go with a hybrid guy. They could go with another thumper. I'd like to see them get another nickel linebacker. But then you're starting to get into some of the safety prospects that are, are day two guys like Jeremy Chin and Kyle Duggar and Aloy Gilman. So linebacker is a position group where if I were going to peg a day three linebacker to Miami, it would be a super try-hard, it'd be a super smart dude, and it would be a guy with some mobility and less of a thumper. Uh, I don't think that they necessarily need to commit a ton of resources to a downhill thumper when they're going to be so multiple on defense. So who qualifies... Uh, for that role. Justin Sternod from Wake Forest is one, although he's not super consistent in his pass coverages and he was injured and missed the second half of his final season at Wake Forest, but had really good showing against Jordan Love in the Utah State game at the beginning of the year. David Woodward would be the name that I'm earmarking though. He doesn't have great physical tools as far as he's not long and rangy, he's not super flexible, but he's Really smart. He is a vacuum cleaner for tackles. Uh, he had like 18 tackles a game or something like that this past year. And he he has some injury red flags that are going to allow him to be available on day three. He had a back issue, some concussions. Uh, but if they feel comfortable with the medicals, David Woodward would be the name at linebacker. Uh, that I would put a gold star next to and say that would be a guy that makes a lot of sense for the Dolphins. At corner, this gets messy because you can go corner from an outside perspective or from the slot, and you're going to have a lot of options either way. And uh, Miami, uh, whether it is Uh, A local kid like Trajan Bandy, who I I think will project into a nickel role pretty favorably. He's fairly tiny. He's listed at 5'9", 185. Uh, But he's fairly fluid. He's aggressive with his tackling mentality. He can get up to the line of scrimmage. He's not super long, and he's a cut tackler. So he's not going to wrap you up because he doesn't have the length to consistently do that. He's that guy that's going to put his outside shoulder pad on your inside thigh, and he's going to chop you down that way. And he's going to go low, so there's some hits and misses there. But uh, his short area quickness, I really like. I think as a guy that that would work in the slot, sub package guy only. Trajan Bandy, you know, those are the kinds of guys that typically get available. And then you got developmental guys uh, as well. Harrison Hand is an outside guy and a potential conversion to safety. Uh, Six foot one ninety two. He had really good athletic testing at the combine, good jumps. His transitional quickness isn't great, so he's either going to have to. It'll learn to be more consistent in press coverage and get his hands on guys early, and I think he has the capability to do that. Or he's going to have to transition to safety where uh, he can play some of the shallow zones, but he's another guy that as an alley defender stepping up and filling the run game in that D-gap, he's really good there, and he drops some big hits. I think he can play deeper coverages and probably cover three, but uh, not necessarily somebody uh, that I would want to see playing Single high or a lot of off man because his transitional quickness, he's a longer athlete, uh, is not going to lend itself well there. So that's two juniors uh, between Harrison Hand and Trajan Bandy that I think day three guys that make a lot of sense for the Dolphins. And as we go to safety here to wrap this thing up and bring this thing home, man, I really want to walk away from this draft with Jeremy Chin. He is not going to make it to day three. But Jeremy Chin is my guy this year that is so versatile, small school kid, so he's going to drop a little bit based on those questions, but he can be effectively the poor man Isaiah Simmons in this draft class. Next level athleticism for the back end of a defense and his value in the early downs would be as a traditional strong safety. Chin's impacted coverage is most effective when he's given shallow areas to roam and break on the ball, and he's a potent tackler. He should be a potential three-down sub-package linebacker who can roam in space as well. Chin will need some fine-tuning from a football IQ perspective as a small-school FCS prospect, but he's got a high ceiling with time to develop. He tested as explosive as Isaiah Simmons, and he just came in 15 pounds lighter, but he's 6'3". That's the guy. I don't even want to entertain other options for safety, but if you ask me to, I think Antoine Brooks Jr. makes a lot of sense. Uh, he is less dynamic, less explosive, kind of an a edge nickel from a man-to-man against slot receivers and run defender. He's got plus value there. Maryland used him a lot on the edge of the line of scrimmage uh, to make an impact. Jalen Hawkins from Cal, both he and Ashton Davis, who will be a, a top 100 pick. Uh, Coach Alexander is now Miami on Miami's defensive staff, and Jalen Hawkins has uh, good size, good tackling ability. I don't think he's dynamic enough to play isolation on the back end, but Cal was another defense that really surprised me, and I, I really enjoyed watching them with how much they asked their defenders to take on in 2019. So Jalen Hawkins... Antoine Brooks Jr., Uh, those are our day three guys I would earmark for Miami as late-round options, but please do not make me pass on Jeremy Chin. That's a guy. That is a dude. And I think Brian Flores and his defensive staff getting their hands on an athlete of that caliber who tackled so much at Southern Illinois, this is the way, as they say. I hope you guys enjoyed this Friday edition of Locked On Dolphins. That's going to do it for us this week. I hope you guys have an enjoyable weekend. Keep your ear to the ground here as free agency starts to come around the corner. It's going to be here before we know it, and we're going to be reacting to that as it happens. We're going to be changing and adjusting our team needs for Miami. It's going to change the expectation of what the draft looks like. So lots of impact moving forward that uh, business is about to pick up as the NFL is concerned. So uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the calm before the storm here with Free Agency, and I'll talk with you guys again on Monday.